This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chui Lin. Tonight, how to take Barang Buatan Malaysia international. So we're talking about this because the Prime Minister has called for more promotion of local products, particularly among SMEs. So that had us thinking, what do we need to do to make that happen? Do we in which Malaysian products should get more international love? And what can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call 777-332-900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and um, as you said, Lynn, the Prime Minister, Dr. Sri Anwar Ibrahim, uh, talked about promoting locally made products and specifically um, because he's leaving to Tokyo or he left today to Tokyo for the 50th year of the ASEAN-Japan Friendship and Cooperation, he said that they'd been told the dress code was either a lounge suit or the official attire of their country. So he's made a note that he would be wearing Malaysian batik for one of the dinners. And he used this as an example um, for how he intends to promote local products, but then also extended that point to say that promotion for local products was lacking, uh, particularly when it comes to SMEs. So it's worth saying that the government has allocated 20 million ringgit in budget 2024 to help local companies with advertising and promotional efforts. Um, and that so that's one part, right? This this question of whether it's just about promotion. The other thing is that Anwar has said that while the government will do its part to promote Malaysian goods, really the best form of advertising is from consumers, which makes sense because as we know, word of mouth is killer. Um, you know, when people tell each other that there are great things, you see that going around and around. Um, I think though that this really opens up kind of an interesting question about what, when we talk about Malaysian products going international, what do we mean? Do we mean, um, you know, the kind of product where it's so global that people no longer care which country it came from, which happens with lots and lots of brands, right? Where when something has become a household item or just a consumer favourite, people no longer go, oh, I'm so happy that I'm using this particular pen that came from Brazil. Did you know the brand is from Brazil? <laughs> you know, you, you don't really do that. Um, it is just something that is beloved and then you buy it over and over again but that usually means that the distribution channels are wide enough that it's local right because then you don't have to worry about shipping and so on um for smaller and for smes basically i think this question of going global is a, is a trickier one and especially in terms of what we mean do we mean going global with the malaysian branding yeah, and then this can actually take several forms, right? For some reason, the first thing that popped into my head when um, I heard about this was actually Sri Racha and how, um, unlike your Brazilian pan example, which is a legitimate example, Sri Racha, though, is something that instantly people associate with Thailand, right? Um, and that's is because. Thailand or Vietnam? Isn't it? Oh my God, I'm now using an example that's absolutely not going to make sense. I'm pretty sure it's Thailand, isn't it? It may be, it may be. Um, but it is, um, it is, so it is Thailand, I just checked. But my point was, that's a, that's a product that I think has gone super global, is used in, you know, really rarefied Michelin restaurants type places, but still has that brand recognition as being from a particular place. Um, but I was wondering why we don't have that level of uh, recognition and whether we're doing enough to associate certain products. Indonesian batik is actually another example, Thai silk. Um, so there are many things that we could be doing, I think, to better promote our own products, whether we're talking about more artisanal, um, uh, traditional craft sort of thing, or snacks or, or modern things. Well, I am... Uh 
I, I, I'm a tamapedas girl on everything, which means that I love my hot sauces. And so the mention of Sri Raja, which by the way, I'm so sorry uh, that I threw you off. It was actually created by a Chinese immigrant um, to the US from Vietnam, meaning the, the Sri Raja brand, not the type of chili sauce. Ah, the type okay. of chili the type sauce of comes chili from sauce Thailand. Is from Thailand, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so we, we were talking about different things. So um, when I think about chili sauce, um, I just think that we've got so many great local brands. Uh, Lingam's is a heritage brand that that's from here. Um, that I feel with the worldwide Sri Racha shortage, we could be looking at more seriously. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's their new brands like Sabasco which hails from Sabah and, you know, has kind of the particularities of the chilli grown in um, East Malaysia. So I think that there's just so much. I mean, we're talking about food because it is immediate and it's really easy to to see. It's It's got a lot of memorability. But you're right, there's so much, um, including things that the average consumer might not necessarily think about. Um, no, I, I think that some of this has to do with... Um, perhaps not necessarily looking at the international market as being a viable option, you know, with shipping and so on. So for SMEs, that can often be a problem. But I also think that um, part of it is whether there are those kinds of platforms um, in terms of, say, international fairs or spaces or events where our government is creating opportunities for Malaysian uh, business owners to take their products uh, global and, and kind of create that platform for themselves. So uh, there's a lot to talk about, but essentially we are asking you which Malaysian products should get more international love and what can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Dr. Aki. Kila Yaakob, Senior Lecturer uh, at the School of Management and Marketing at Taylor's University. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Business, finance and music, BFM 89.9. It is 6.15, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about Malaysian-made products and how they can go global. This comes uh, from a remark made by the Prime Minister uh, that we should be doing better in promoting our products internationally. So we want to hear from you, which Malaysian products should get more international love? And what can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Joining us now on the line is Dr. Akila Yakub, Senior Lecturer at the School of Management and Marketing at Taylor's University. Dr. Akila, thanks for speaking with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So the PM has pointed out that promotions for local products is lacking uh, internationally, especially among SMEs. Can you help us understand why local businesses struggle with promoting their products abroad? All right. Uh, thanks for the question. So actually, there are many factors. So first of all, we have to ask the SME. Do they want to be abroad? Do they want to inter internationalize their businesses? So that is one. So if the answer is yes, then they have to know what is the unique selling point of their products. Is there any demand for it? So these are some of the questions we should ask the SMEs and we should also ask other parties or other stakeholders such as the government. So for example, will the government be supporting these businesses if they want to go abroad? And will the consumer also be helping promoting this product on the social media, for example? Yeah, so these are some of the things to be considered. And uh, with SME, uh, they are usually have financial constraint. So in order for them to invest in extensive international market campaign, it requires a lot of costs, a lot of expertise, a lot of manpower. So we have to ask the SME, are they, first, do they want it? And secondly, are they ready? Are they equipped to go abroad? Yeah. So let's talk about that, um, why they might or might not want to, because I think that that's actually a really good question. Um, if we think about it from the, from the business perspective, what are the pros and cons really of either staying very local and being a very popular brand locally or of trying to make it in the international market? All right. So some are very, um, feel safe to be just local. Some they have they are very high achiever. They want to uh, go abroad and so on. So we can see 
for example, uh, Bonia, Jimmy Choo, Ogawa, to name a few, they are now international because they managed to break through because of they have a strong uh, brand's recognition. Uh, so some of the local brands, uh, like I said just now, they maybe lack of expertise. They just don't inspire to be uh, global and so on. And again, it might be co complex and costly. So if you have a strong team and your brand are quite strong, especially in terms of branding, and you really have something that is demanded by the international market, then I think it would be uh, possible. So, yeah. And... What actually is involved in taking a local product abroad? I mean, who would businesses have to collaborate with in order for that to happen? Okay, so uh, maybe we can think about the influencer marketing. So uh, nowadays, we have all this digital marketing, influencer marketing. Even for us, right, we scroll our social media and we see all those uh, famous influencers overseas selling their products and so on and it will influence us to buy, right? So to be able to be present online, to be digitalized, to use the social media platform because now with e-commerce, social media, digital marketing, so uh, the local businesses have to uh, invest and have to pay attention on this so that they can easily break through the international market. Let's talk a little bit more about those digital platforms, right? How has the landscape changed um, with e-commerce and digital platforms giving people that kind of reach? Yeah, I think uh, it's better reach. It, it is a good news for the uh, SME because they can utilize this free platform and being known out there. However, they still have to think of the logistic, uh, the uh, how, because... On the social media, we are being thrown with many, many brands, not just local, but also international, right? So they have to capture the market in terms of their content marketing, uh, in terms of who are the influencer. So first of all, they have to know which country they want to break through. So for example, if they want to go, uh, break through the Singapore or Indonesian market, uh, maybe in neighboring countries, right? So maybe they can start off by... Uh, connecting or collaborating with the influencers, uh, influential people in these countries. But if you want to go further, like in the US market and so on, we have to uh, first collaborate, but as well as localize our product to suit their demand and to suit their needs and the customer preferences uh, over there. Yeah. But I, I'm sure that digital marketing uh, are the in thing now. You can't just uh, stay on with the traditional market. You have to break through uh, the social media integration, the global market places and so on. Yeah. So the government has allocated 20 million ringgit in the budget 2024 to help local companies with advertising and promotional efforts. What is the best way to use this funding to boost international visibility of those local brands that want to go global? Uh, I think this is a very good effort from the government to uh, really spend the budget wisely. So maybe uh, they can help with uh, in-depth research on understanding the market landscape and uh, especially the online presence and digital advertising. So nowadays, uh, we have all these 5G e-commerce platforms. So maybe we can have our own e-commerce platform, our own digital marketing uh, and really... Uh, like, for example, they can also do trade shows or exhibition uh, to promote all this international, uh, I mean, uh, the local product internationally. And uh, I think uh, proper collaboration and partnership and proper content marketing and storytelling, uh, as well as localizing the campaign, the advertising messages would be good. Uh, yeah. And also train, train the SMEs because sometimes we have all these great platform, but they are not equipped. They don't have the skill, the train training to use all this uh, digital uh, platform. Yep. So in line with that, has enough been done to equip SMEs with the necessary knowledge and tools to promote their products beyond the local sphere? And what could that look like if there were that kind of proper setup? Okay, so uh, like I said, again, uh, educating the SMEs on using all these online tools would be good. Uh, 
uh, give the educational programs, give workshop, uh, so to enhance the SME so that they feel like they want to internalize, uh, internationalize their business and also they feel that they want to utilize all these digital platforms. So again, education is important, promoting it, giving grants, giving online courses, giving uh, maybe networking opportunities for them to uh, change uh, uh, knowledge exchange be between SME what is the best best practice to fully utilize uh, digital marketing at the full uh, capacity uh, and then maybe give some consultancy services uh, to consult this SME so that they have the guidance, the support on using all this uh, great platform. So they need to be aware that this thing is available for them and uh, they are training to help them to utilize it and they have to be willing to adopt to this latest technology. So let's talk about the products themselves, right? What local products do you feel hold potential but haven't received uh, that kind of global promotion enough? What should we do to boost their visibility? I think in terms of local products, we should uh, promote our own strength. So for example, let's say uh, the news by uh, our Prime Minister, right, wearing the batik. She, he wanted to wear the batik uh, in the uh, Tokyo uh, and so on. So it's good. Uh, so that uh, batik is one of the strength uh, of the local product. And maybe we should promote all our unique and cultural showcase our local craftsmanship to the global market. So whatever that is unique to us because we don't want to just uh, create another product that is, that is already available in the national market. We want something that stand out, that really scream. This is Malaysian product. So for example, let's say instead of coming up with just another oat biscuit, maybe the oat biscuit has a pandan kind of flavor because pandan is very famous in Malaysia or some mango twist in it. So this kind of innovativeness, the unique flavor uh, in terms of like products could be enhanced. And it's not just uh, in terms of food F&B, it could be the clothings as well. So uh, maybe sustainable uh, shirt made out of, made out of uh, upcycling uh, waste. So it has to have some cultural and uh, local craftsmanship, but as well as uh, some unique and innovative towards it. And uh, especially now, we are going towards the SDG, sustainable products and so on. So maybe we can create a product that will be beneficial to the market. Yeah. So what advice or suggestions would you have for entrepreneurs who might feel uh, or struggle with the perception that local products aren't good enough, quote-unquote, to penetrate the global market? I think... First of all, we have to change the mindset. So we have to think that we can go global if we want it. And we have to uh, really uh, have the innovative culture in us and really believe that we can do something and we can contribute by coming up with something that is unique and different from the international market. So for example, now uh, with the war happening, so some people are boycotting the big brands, right? So now is the time for the local market or local product to shine because uh, we need a local alternative because people are not buying all the big brands, right? So the local market have a potential to shine through if they really believe in themselves and really believe that uh, they have some unique thing to offer to the market. So the PM said that he would wear a batik shirt during his trip to Tokyo. Um, so, and, and he also talked about how there's only so much the government can do on a policy level and uh, in terms of providing economic support, that there's also uh, that kind of push that consumers can give. Um, so, I guess the question here is, as regular consumers, what can we do to promote and platform the Malaysian products that we are proud of? Okay, so in order for it to be successful, it should be uh, some kind of synergy between the government, the businesses, as well as the consumer. So it's good that the government are doing something. So for example, by wearing the batik shirt, it shows a cultural representation, soft diplomacy. You are promoting, uh, giving the, the memorable image, visual brand, uh, promoting these authentic things that belong to Malaysia. So it's very good to do that so that it shows the natural pride of wearing the local. So that is from the government side. So a lot of things can be 
done from the government side, especially in terms of financial and so on. Uh, but like you said just now, uh, okay, the, the next one will be from the business side. So the business has to come up with something innovative, unique enough that the market wants up to the trends and so on. So lastly, is from the consumer as well. So we as a consumer, as a Malaysian, we should be proud of the local brands. Uh, so for example, on my social media, I should be sharing about local products. So the more people are sharing it, it's is it, it is being viewed by the international market, especially if you are influencer in Malaysia and so on. So if you are promoting uh, local brands, people will be seeing it. So for example, if we see K-pop culture and so on, it's very famous now with Korean food and so on because their artists, their people are very proud of their culture. So they have been promoting their films, uh, are going abroad, their food, their tourism and so on. So the same thing as Malaysia, we should be proud of what we have and uh, we should show the national pride by uh, first um, really uh, support it, be proud of it and also share it in our social media platform, uh, share, like use our local brands uh, and so on. Yeah, write good reviews about it. Yeah. Dr. Akila, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was Dr. Akilah Yaakob, Senior Lecturer at the School of Management and Marketing in Taylor's University, weighing in on um, how to create a higher profile for Malaysian products internationally. And we want to hear from you, which Malaysian products should get more international love and what can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call 777 send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. It's 6.37. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about Malaysian-made products, specifically how to promote Malaysian-made products internationally. So this comes from a comment uh, made by the PM who said that um, there should be more promotion, but also said consumers should be doing more to promote Malaysian products internationally. And so we've been asking you, which Malaysian products should get more international love? What can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, let's start with a voice note from Waiming. With regards to cuisine, I remember that the Thai Airways, they fly ingredients of um, Thai food ingredients to all over the world and they fly it, I think, um, I think it's a discounted rate, yeah? Um, so it helps uh, for the establishment of um, Thai-style uh, food places around the world. So that's, that's one way that the Thais have uh, promoted their cuisine. Waiming, um, thanks for that. You know, actually, the Thai food phenomenon is a really good example of soft diplomacy, isn't it? It is. Um, and, and it's also completely international. Uh, Thai food is... Thai food is so widely known, right? Um, if you think about the signature dishes they have and you compare it to how ours fare, it's really not the same thing. A Thai green curry or a tom yam gong is not a nasi lemak. It's just not the same. No, um, the, the, the recognition alone of what the taste profile is and things like that. Uh, but speaking of soft power, actually Fish is making a point about um, K-Power um, and saying, K-Power, does that exist? Does that make that Hallyu phrase wave, up? Hallyu wave. wave, thank you. Uh, so Samsung, LG, Hyundai, Kia, BTS, Blackpink, Kyochon, K-Fry, learn from South Korea. I'm sure their government has been playing a pivotal role in exporting the K-brands abroad. You can't rely solely on SMEs. So this interested me because um, Waiming earlier was talking about Thai Airways. And so that's with the support of a very large kind of corporation, right? That's flying the banner for Thai food and, you know, helping to kind of get the word out. And Fish, I think, is making a similar point about how businesses maybe can't do it alone, that they, they do need wider institutional support. I will say that, I am okay. Every business starts somewhere, but all of your examples, fish, are kind of are really huge. They're they're proper corporations, and so I'm not dismissing it. I think that you make a really good point. Um, I think all I'm saying is, how does the consideration change when we're not talking about something that is already on? 
the you know every every corner in South Korea or that is already so ubiquitous and you're instead talking about a smaller brand a smaller company a smaller maker trying to trying to push abroad so um actually food is something that's coming up a number of times and um let's see actually uh, Anwar says crepe any crepe will do definitely much better than all those unhealthy chips I don't know if our selling point can be health, <laughs> I will say. Um, I, I don't know if... Well, I, you know, I say that, but then I have been seeing tempeh chips, um, both from Malaysia as well as yes, Indonesia. I do love and tempeh chips, but people consider too, tempeh too. to be Indonesian. Yes, that's true. But there are also local brands that are making tempeh chips. And so I think that... Um, there is maybe something there. I suppose you could argue a fried banana is healthier than a fried potato. <laughs> but um, at a certain point, we're splitting hairs. Um, but I agree with Krepik. I, I also think that um, not just the fact that we have different sorts of Krepik made of different things, but we also have different flavour profiles, right, that are specific to us. Um, so a spicy Krepik in the Malaysian context is not the same as, say, a um, sweet and sour chilli chip. Yes, that's true. So Mamarang Lao just says food. We definitely need to promote our food. And Anwar's message as well as Mamarang Lao, um, you guys made me think about uh, something that only this year I I got to know uh, because someone gifted me um, a, a Japanese snack box subscription as a birthday present. And why am I saying someone? My sister gifted me. Um, and uh, Always with the privacy, Sharma. I know, right? <laughs> um, but it was actually such a clever concept. So you subscribe to a monthly snack box and you get a selection of Japanese snacks curated from different regions in Japan with like a little card that explains to you what the origins are, what they're made from. Now, I don't know if this exists in a Malaysian context. Maybe some enterprising person already has it going, but that would be such a great way to do something like this. And they ship internationally. Um, it's accessible to anywhere in the world. And I just kept thinking, why hasn't somebody thought of this to do from for Malaysian snacks? So isn't a big part of it that um, that when you think of a Japanese snack, just, just if I say that word, right, um, you have certain flavour profiles that immediately, especially for people who are familiar, that, that, will, that would appear in your mind, like mochi, uh, red bean matcha, you know, just certain things that you would associate. If it's a savoury snack, you would think of um, rice vinegar, soy sauce. You have very specific flavours that, that come to mind that you associate with Japanese snacks, sea, seaweed, furikake. Um, and I'm thinking in the local context, right, outside of Malaysia, how many people are there who think, my God, I loved that Malaysian snack. And then people can immediately conjure up crepic, hoflakes, you know, like just things that are very Malaysian. I don't know whether that's true. Um, I, I visited Central Market recently and there's a, there's a supermarket that's now occupying the front uh, of the ground floor and it is selling Malaysian snacks. So it's actually exactly what you're talking about, Sharmila. They've got, uh, well, not just snacks, they, they've got food. So they've got soy sauce and um, tua and, you know, just all sorts of things. And I, while I was wandering there, I kept thinking, this is such a great spot for a tourist. But in order to condense it into something like what you're talking about, a subscription model where people will say, yes, yes, send me one Malaysian snack a month. People need to know what they're getting into. I agree. I think that there is a gap missing in terms of, I say brand recognition, but actually it's more like product recognition. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other missing link, of course, is that Japan already has a very uh, established and developed system in terms of how how they package and brand and sell their snacks, right? Um, they are very, how does shipping work? You know, everything is sort of beautifully packaged. Everything is already nicely put in little boxes. And Everything's just perfect. Lah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think there are these kinds of systems perhaps where the government should be stepping in and helping people with um, innovations or structures um, to help. Um, we, uh, I actually wanted to get to this one before we went on break because speaking of brands, NF says we should promote our local fashion brands like Cheapream. I had to look this up actually. They are a, a t-shirt printing company. Um, recently, old brands from the 80s like Fung Kyung sneakers are also making a comeback, but not many people are aware of it. This is interesting, um, partly because sneakers, I think, are a really deeply underrated or shoes um, are a deeply underrated area of of 
production, right? Because if you get the word out, um, if if people are keen enough, then that's how you get that kind of association. It's tough when people still think that Bata is Malaysian. Yes. Well, now even Malaysians will consider Bata to be Malaysian, I think. Correct. But it's not. It's, it's fundamentally not. not. It's and, Czech. And so, so this is the thing about... Um, about kind of farming things out in that way, right? Um, and it was also the point I was trying to get at right at the start, which is, do we want people to know these brands come from Malaysia or do we j- just want them to be successful in their own right? Those are two different things. And I bring I, money to Malaysia actually is the, is the more practical thing. Yes. So the thing is, it can be overlapping. It's clear that it can be overlapping, right? Where you have a wildly successful brand that becomes a household name and it gets associated with our country. But the other side of things is true. Like, I'm not sure how many people know Bata is Czech, but it's everywhere. And so they've succeeded, um, but they've not succeeded in getting people to go, wow, you know, Czech. Czech, the Czech Republic, amazing. Anyway, keep your thoughts coming. Which Malaysian products should get more international love? What can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bring forth Moolah, BFM eighty nine point nine. BFM 89.9, that was The Whispers with And The Beat Goes On. It is 6.51. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been asking you, which Malaysian products should get more international love? What can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call 777-332-900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, so, Wyming's back and uh, he sent another voice note. Here it is. I run a e-commerce uh, um, website, and we also have a brick and mortar. Um, basically, after doing um, uh, e-commerce for quite some years, uh, I think uh, local brands they can they can take the safe route. They can try to be on platforms such as uh, Lazada and Shopee. And um, and then uh, when they want to extend it to beyond um, uh, Malaysian borders, uh, they will have the experience already, you know, being at um, those uh, local uh, platforms such as uh, Shopee and Lazada. Well, they are not exactly local, but um, I think you get uh, my meaning. Well, I mean, thank you for that. I mean, it's it's always good to hear a personal experience. Um, so essentially talking about doing a, a bit of a, a test run or a, a soft landing in terms of trying the e-commerce thing locally before taking it international. Well, that, but also um, I think then getting a sense of how exactly e-platforms work and um, I, I feel as if the learning curve here, part of it, of course, is just using the platform and getting used to that. But I, I'm just saying this as somebody who has um, posted stuff, right, um, that other people have paid for. I, I think that there is something to be said about the learning curve for shipping and how when you ship internationally, your customer service game also changes quite a mm-hmm. lot um, because different and I'm just speaking here purely from the perspective of something like clothes um, because if you look at somewhere like America or, or actually a number of other countries, the return culture is very strong. In other words, I get something, I don't like it, I can return it. And I feel safe returning it knowing that the brand is absolutely going to offer me either a refund or an exchange program or whatever it might be. Whereas I think for a lot of Malaysians, um, the concept of returning clothes is a relatively new one. If you only started buying clothes in the last, I don't know, five years, 10 years, then then sure. But if you've been shopping for yourself for longer than that, then it's actually something that's very unfamiliar. And um, so if you're a local seller and you're selling internationally and somebody doesn't like it or it breaks, what do you do? And, you know, so I think it's that kind of thing that um, starts to, where the learning curve starts to get steeper and steeper. 
learning curve and also actually frankly resources right because if you're going to start shipping internationally um, a lot of things change you need to have um, you may have a larger customer base it may mean that you need more people in-house to manage even how do we send things out who's going to do the packaging what kind of packaging do you need for international shipping um, are these products that is there going to be customs requirements in different countries so it actually increases the kind of labor that you need to be able to put into this as well Speaking of shipping and things like that, uh, both Perry and Francis are saying durian, uh, with Perry specifically saying musang king. And I think this one is, is it not already happening, albeit maybe not around the world, um, but certainly in somewhere like China, um, I think that Malaysian durian does have a presence. It does. I've actually even seen what I think is Malaysian durian in like Western countries. I mean, they don't they're not great, but, um, you know, sort of the, the peeled and, and repackaged and, and exported. So I don't think that necessarily is something that's, that's unknown or difficult to do. It It's not, although, um, of course, if you think of the actual experience of eating durian, you admittedly lose a lot huh, when, when yes. you just send out the pulp. And this coming from someone who isn't even a durian fan. Um, I'm talking about aesthetics, man. Like, I, I just think that aesthetically speaking, a durian has thorns. A durian has the stem. It's got the green. It, you know, it looks like a durian. Um, if it's a pile of pale yellow mush, it's just really not not the same thing. Um, Perry also says, mommy is international. I wonder how international, but you're probably right. I think at least regionally, mommy is really well known. Um, this reminded me of uh, one that I wanted to bring up, which is Adabi. Oh, yes. Yeah, because um, I, I think that if we talk about our spices or at least our spice mixes, just things that enable people to cook Malaysian food quickly and easily, um, then, I mean, in my family at least, the request for bakute, bakute spices, you know, the spice packets, um, every time we fly abroad, they ask for some. Um, similarly, I think things like adabi get asked for a lot. So there is something to be said about just the pre-made food that allows people to just replicate. I don't know if this necessarily counts as pre-made, but something that's become uh, really popular, this particularly for friends who have visited here and then when I go see them, uh, is kaya. They're always asking for, and they're not even talking about artisanal, fancy, you know, like like kampung-made kaya. The kaya that you can just get on your supermarket shelves in that plastic container mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. fine for them uh, because it's really difficult to get elsewhere. Oh, um, I love the mention of kaya partly because... Not only is it difficult to get, um, it's also time-consuming to make. And, yes. and I, I actually appreciate this because I think that there is something to be said about how when, yeah, yeah, I could make it myself, um, I can find the ingredients online, um, even in far-flung countries, I think getting your hands on you know something like a pandan, it's, it's not out of the question, but... Um, the, the the whole stirring and stirring and just waiting for it to caramelize. Um, I, I think that when you can easily obtain something like that, that marketability goes up. Like, you know, something that took 10 hours to make. Now here it is in a tub for you. <laughs> No, I'm a big fan of Kaya's gifts. I, I give it to friends all the time. Um, actually, just to close the loop on... Um, labor and cost and things like that. Mav says, I feel one of the reasons our local Malaysian brands don't uh, can't afford to go abroad is because of the current exchange rates and how weak our Malaysian ringgit is uh, in comparison, say, to the dollar or euro. Yeah, I mean, you would think that that would make it more tempting, though. I think if you can, if you have the, if you have enough to sort of put in the investment, um, yeah. it would, it does mean that the returns are also increased. But I get it lah, because um, shipping would cost more to certain places, for instance. Yes, but I think it really means what we, what, it, it's a question of what we mean when we say can't afford to go abroad. Because um, I can list things and offer international shipping and that's going abroad too. Yes, that's true. Um, and mm. I also think it, 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 it also means, it also, I wonder what we mean when we say promote our products abroad. Do we mean we are sending them abroad? Do we mean that people are taking it on consignment? Like there are many channels through which Malaysian products can gain a presence um, internationally. Uh, anyway, keep your thoughts coming. We will continue the conversation after this. Which Malaysian products should get more international love? What can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call us. You can send us a voice note. You can WhatsApp us. You can tweet us and keep it here. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. 
It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And just a quick recap. The PM, um, upon going on an official visit to Japan, mentioned that he would be promoting uh, Malaysian products, uh, particularly batik, by wearing it. Um, and then he said that uh, we need to be doing better in terms of raising the profile of Malaysian-made goods internationally. So we want to hear from you. Which Malaysian products should get more international love? What can we do to promote our stuff better? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, we have this point and a correction from Andrew who says, Our batik is amazing and it should do better internationally than it currently is. Our kain songket as well. Um, b- before we get into the correction, I, I will say that... Um, the the batik thing is so hard. Um, there are things that we share with Indonesia, where I it's not. I'm not trying to say that they got to it first, um, but I think that so much of it has to do with the mass scale of production and things like that, um, and the lack of uh, perhaps consumer education in terms of the difference between Malaysian batik and Indonesian batik, things like that. I'm not saying we are the only people in the world who do wax prints, but of course, um, you know, just for the context of our conversation, it's going to be that, and and it's tough. I, I, like you, Andrew, believe that in terms of textiles, we could be such a big player. Actually, the Songket point is really is a really good one because um, I've seen I've I've seen Laos fabrics um, internationally in in exhibitions and in uh, fashion events and so on. Right? Um, why is our Songket not better known? I I I, I do feel when you said brand education, and I think there is something to be said for what we're doing in that direction because sometimes it's also just about. It's also just about getting um, the word out there, getting people out there to talk about our things and to um, actually do that thing where they're like, here's what Songket is, here's how it's made. Um, there's a lot that goes into soft power and soft diplomacy that we uh, really haven't been capitalizing on. Do Malaysians know how Songket is Yes, made? exactly. You, you know, so yeah. it, it's not even international, right? If we talk about the kabaya, for example, how much education has there actually been about how kabayas are made, about hand beading, about, you know, just all these different things. Um, Andrew also says, by the way, I think, I think Sri Racha is pronounced as Si Racha. Um, and I, I just said it the way that we said it at the start during our Thailand-Vietnam kerfuffle. Um, but also because... Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I have seen... So the the founder of the company has confirmed this, that it is Siracha. I think that... Even now I'm saying it wrong. I think it's Siracha. Um, but for the sake of ease, Andrew, I hope you'll forgive us. I've seen people saying Siracha as well, which I, I'm not prepared to say. I promise you, Andrew, that I'll look up a pronunciation video and at least attempt. But I will probably say Siracha because I'll forget this next week. But uh, there I are so many... It. There are a lot of pronunciation videos out there and then there are also people saying, you know what, I come from this country and this is how I say it. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. We have a voice note that's come in. This is from Nahar. Hey guys, just want to hone in a bit more on the institutional support point that you brought up. Um, I think one of the ways that maybe the government could help is, or rather two ways, right, that I can think of right now is, one, work with overseas investors and overseas like really big businesses like supermarkets, for example, to stock Malaysian items on their shelf. Maybe just give us one small shelf and then like promote it there in the same way we see like Coles, for example, having a shelf in Jaya Grocer these days, in some Jaya Grocers. Um, Another thing they could do is really leverage the student the Malaysian student population in uh, the UK or the Australia or wherever we have a presence in, you know, leverage the Malaysian societies there to, you know, promote Malaysian food, Malaysian fashion, any like any kind of Malaysian product that we think is is worth it to to bring um, to bring out. And another point I want to sort of like touch on is, personally speaking, I don't think it matters if someone tells me that hey. Uh, Bata is not actually from Malaysia, it is actually Czech because it's such a core part of the Malaysian experience. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we were to, it, to me, la, it just doesn't matter. So if we were to, you know, sort of like, and tempeh, for example, if we were to export tempeh chips, right? It, to me, it doesn't matter if people say, hey, isn't tempeh Indonesian? If it's part of the Malaysian culture, it's part of the Malaysian culture and it gets the Malaysian name out, um, in my opinion. 
Nahar, thank you for that. A lot of really good uh, suggestions and points. Um, I don't know how Bata would feel about Malaysia claiming it, but actually what I like about that point, though, is that sometimes it's about the, the narrative you craft um, and the idea of the Malaysian experience uh, being something that we could sell and talk about. Um, I also really like the notion of leveraging existing Malaysians who live abroad and using them as a brand ambassador. Agreed. Um, I think with Tempe, the, the only point that we were trying to make is that people associate it with Indonesian cuisine. But but as we were talking about earlier, lots of people, locals, um, already make Tempe chips and are already sending it far and wide. The distribution channels are quite, um, quite robust, I think. So you're right that it is a part of the Malaysian experience and, and it's certainly something that I think could go a long way. Just to continue on the food bend... Um, Lynette saying Kampungko chili sauce goes well with dim sum. Uh, BHL says also Kampungko um, and Ramli Burger. Both would be a hit if marketed properly worldwide. How to market Ramli Burger worldwide is the thing because even here, there is no definitive Ramli Burger. Okay, so... Okay. Except, the, I mean, if, unless you mean we should market the patty itself, which which I think would be a bit different. Yes, um, but also... And I say this with so much love, <laughs> so much love. Um, I'm not sure Ramli burgers, that the Ramli burger experience is necessarily thought of as um, like a great culinary experience. I, I <laughs> no. say this as somebody who <laughs> likes it. I, I really like it. I, I feel the need to just kind of get ahead of that story before it gets out there. Um, but I, I wonder how we would market it. Like here is a burger with so much sauce. <laughs> here is a burger wrapped around an egg again with so much sauce. Well, but with white pepper and like all sorts of random ingredients and that you need to remember the exact code to order it with. True, true. It is an experience more than the food itself. That I That's will That's the agree. thing. Mm -hmm. Because white pepper and Maggie seasoning does not a branding make. You know, it just needs a little bit more than that. Um, well, speaking of pepper, and actually, I actually think this is a great suggestion. Joe says Sarawak black pepper, best in the world. Hardcore agree. So agree. Um, also, considering the price of black pepper, um, and it isn't cheap, this this is something that I think could really make a killing. Um, Winston says dodol. Ro also says dodol and then says it's a delicious snack which can be used as a blue tack alternative. <laughs> um, so firstly, yes, um, blue tack alternative, extracting your dentures or your fillings <laughs> alternative. It's just it's Cheek sticky. exercise. Yeah, it's yeah. sticky food. I do love dodol. But um, I think that the the shout for dodol is interesting partly because if it's something like, if it's durian dodol, um, then it's a way of getting durian into a more palatable form. I know that durian um, purists are not a fan of it for that reason, but it's it's just the fact that there are variants, I think, also make it kind of interesting. Sayu says lingam chili sauce, which we already spoke about. And this is interesting. Royal slang or pewter. And you know, Sayu, I've often wondered why our pewter isn't better known than it is. Because I really think it is such an interesting um, product, item, alloy, whatever you call it. Um, and, and, you know, the, all the variations and, and the memorabilia that they make, I'm surprised that it doesn't get marketed internationally. This is true. Um, we also have such a rich history of tin um, in our country. And it, again, it's, it's a narrative thing, right? Um, from a local perspective, because kids have... Um, because kids have field trips, because, you know, we're taught these things. We understand the allure and I think to a certain degree the branding of Royal Slango. I don't know how it travels abroad. Let's see. We have Shamil saying, sometimes the best way of marketing is via entertainment. For instance, Upin Ipin is widely marketed and that's a good way to promote our local food, products and so on. Look at how anime makes Japanese food look so good that it makes the viewer want to try it out. This is so true. Mm, mm. This is true. Um, I think you watch enough K-dramas and suddenly all you want to eat is just kimchi in all sorts of forms. And <laughs> It's true. It's, it's kind of, it goes hand in hand, right? You see someone eating something delicious on screen, um, you see someone wearing something interesting and then you wonder who made that. There are all these things that go into it. So a couple of things that I hadn't, or rather one particular thing that I hadn't heard about, Nizam says cherrya tone guitar amplifiers and apparently it's a locally, a homegrown uh, amp company. 
Love that. Mm -hmm. Love that in terms of marketing. Um, And again, I think if... So earlier we were talking about whether it matters that brands that go abroad, people know it's Malaysian. Um, but when the name itself is quite inherently Malaysian, right, then then it that becomes a bit more of a moot point. Yes. Um, and Miss Go says, Many years ago, we used to organise international shoe festivals as we were one of the key players in producing shoes. But now no one organises that. This is interesting. So I... I'm not in the biz. Um, I don't know, or in any biz. Um, I, I'm not sure what role... Basically, I'm not sure what is the relationship between trade festivals, big trade festivals, and the internet. Yes. Um, whether there's been a... I'm sure there hasn't been a replacement because it's not the same, right? Like, um, internet is mass and, you know, you can reach anybody. Whereas trade shows are often for, for people who are in the industry itself. But... I do wonder with with the advent and the space of the internet, what is that overlap? I also think that um, you know, going back to our guest earlier, who who mentioned influencers quite quite a lot, I think that the how brands get taken up has also become a little bit different. Um, you know, direct uh, marketing or advertising is a big thing now. Yes, um, we have okay. Just to close off, I think a bunch of food. <laughs> it's by far. It is by far no surprise. Uh, the thing that people feel most strongly about. Jeremy says curry puffs. Ooh, mm. like like pre-made and then you can fry it on your own. I think maybe could so, maybe right? work like frozen. Yes. I, yes, like like gyoza or dumplings. Or samosas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. samosas. Why did I not think of those? I know, right? <laughs> you, you went so far. Um, meanwhile, we have JYC who says, um, Ipo tauge, Ipo peanut crumble, Ipo white coffee. Tauge doesn't travel well, sadly, JYC. That's, the, that's no. the only thing that I wanted to say. But peanut crumble, white coffee, 100%. In fact, I also have relatives and friends who demand I bring them white coffee when I travel. My God, you know, I, I, I went to, the last time I went to Ipoh, we stood in line at a famous peanut crumble shop and um, I think it was like a 45 minute line and you had a, a limitation of each person could only buy something <laughs> like 5 kgs, which tells you something about how much people from other states mm. wanted this thing. Yeah. It's delicious, by the way. Well, and, and I think actually those sorts of things, I mean, a peanut crumble is so likable. There's nothing difficult about enjoying that as a snack. And let's see. So Shamil says, um, ready to eat local meals, canned or vacuum packed, masak lemak chili padi, rendang. Ooh, I like this. I do like this a lot. I think, I mean, I think this idea has legs. I, I mean, why isn't it done yet? I think it is already done, but I mean, why hasn't it? gone worldwide. I have to say, I have not walked into a supermarket in, let's say, the UK or the US and seen a ready-to-eat meal that was Malaysian. I don't think mm. I have. I've seen whether, fried rice, nondescript, but that's it. And whether it would be appealing to people outside of um, desperate Malaysians who are yes. far from home. International yeah. students who are like huh. desperate for a taste of home. But but no, as an idea, um, yeah. marketed well, I think it could work. And that's all the time we have for today's conversation. Um, we've been talking about how to better market Malaysian products overseas. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.